It's a peaceful protest. We walking, raising awareness. Some of the injustice that we've been seeing is not okay. And as a young person, you gotta you gotta listen to our perspective. Our voices need to be heard. People are gonna look back. Our kids are gonna look back at this and say, "You were a part of that." I got a grandfather that marched next to Dr. King in the '60s, and he was amazing. He would be proud to see us all here. We gotta keep pushing forward. Sports are like the reward of a functional society. Sirius XM Sports presents Forward Progress, a weekly open conversation on race and sports in America. Here are your hosts, Jason Jackson and Kirk Morrison. Great to have you join us once again. It's Kirk, it's Jax, uh, the whole crew, we're all here. A little bit later, we're gonna talk to a young man uh, who began his life with trauma, was able to overcome it, become quite the football player, started Old Dominion University, uh, but decided here in his mid-20s, maybe we'll push it to late 20s, that the true idea of finding true mental health in the black community is having folks in the community become specialists in mental health. We'll talk to him in a little bit. Plus, uh, one of Kirk's uh, retired NFL brethren stepping (laughs) to the uh, political arena and already calling his side. Yeah. (laughs) May not be my side, but he's calling his side. But we begin with the NHL announcing initiatives to combat racism and accelerate inclusion efforts. The the NHL, um, I don't know how to best put this, so I'm just going to put it the way that it feels. Because of its demographics, at times feels like, no pun intended, they can skate kind of beneath the other three organizations and maybe even NCAA initiatives in what they're doing. So right now I want to give them kudos, um, you know, for pushing forward into a space that um, you know, a couple of years ago, we all had to look yeah. and see exactly what was coming um, to the forefront in this fight for equality, this fight for justice, this fight for things that just tend to be the, pe- the, the, the easy beat of the drum for the NBA, um, that the NHL, um, I'm sorry, that the NFL and Major League Baseball find their way. And, it's, and, and, and I appreciate it fully. Um, But but in that summer of 2020, um, the the National Hockey League and the Player Association decided that there were things that needed uh, the attention of their league um, that affect everyone, regardless of how you're made up as a league, which is predominantly uh, white, obviously, uh, but to be an ally in the fight against racism and to mandate uh, that the sport and the league be more welcoming and inclusive, Kurt. Yeah, I, I mean, this is uh, obviously something in a sport in hockey that is, like, to your point, uh, predominantly it, it is a white sport um, and don't have a lot of an African-American sort of uh, feel to it. It's not that kind of sport. It's actually a cold sport, by the way. And brother, I, I just let's just be honest. I, I like it more tropical. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen now. You you've been in some tundras, right? Yeah. <laughs> Put your finger in the dirt. But I'm in and out, man. I can't yes, keep sir. going out there. But you know, it, it's the 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 incidents that have happened of the past week, um, where uh Jordan Subban, the uh defenseman for the South Carolina team of the ECHL hockey league. 
Um, he had some things he felt that were derogatory that was based to him. Um, and it kind of caught light because people saw the video. It circulated around Jax yeah. that you have, uh, I believe, the defenseman for Jacksonville, the team of Jacksonville, uh, Jacob Panetta, uh, was using what Subban kind of says were, were racist taunts, you know, acting as if making sort of monkey gestures in is his direction. Mm-hmm. And some people uh, looked at that and said, yeah, that's that's not right. That's not called for. You, you can't do that. And to Jacobs, he said, look, I was just making I was just kind of taunting him. Not the, the 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 actions that he was using were not what that he felt were of a mocking of a monkey or racist or derogatory. But you can't play around like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I get that. Hey. I, I'll give you the benefit of, hey, you're trying to taunt him because I know, hey, in hockey, you know, guys go fisticuffs a little bit. You know, I can see you you, you kind of whining, you act like he's whining or crying through his eyes or something. I get that. You know, that's the, the tough part of hockey. I get it. But there's certain actions that you can't do because they are seen derogatory. And I, I like the way that you know, hockey is trying to get in front of this, too. It says, look, man, we understand what our sport is. We understand that uh, it, it's not the... Uh, most highly uh, was it a integrated sport, but we do have members who are of African-American descent and that we do have to watch sort of these types of actions because they are uncalled for. So I like this space in which hockey is trying to go down because it does affect the, the, the entire league. It it affects people who are watching this and say, Hey, what is that one young kids say hey i want to be a hockey player who's black and but if you have a league that accepts something like this mm-hmm. there's just no there's no place for this none let's walk through some of the joint anti-racism efforts that that have been laid out uh, first uh the nhl and the players association uh work jointly with uh hda that's hockey diversity alliance to establish and administer a first of its kind grassroots hockey development program to provide mentorship and skill development um, for boys and girls in the greater Toronto area. I'm hopeful that's something that expands even beyond that. But additionally, the parties have agreed to pursue a similar pilot program um, based in the U.S. that, that, that these programs represent a unique opportunity um, to partner in diversity, to use the power of their representation to inspire the next generation. Hockey did not hit me the way that it hit kids that I grew up with on the inside of Cleveland. And it was something to be a part of Heights hockey, right? Cleveland Heights hockey was a thing. These kids had jackets. They had patches for all the (laughs) tournaments they played in. Their gear was massive. It was funky, but it was still massive and, and, and of significance. And there were young brothers that were compelled to that space. And sometimes it's just the outward vision of the stuff and the, the cohesion. Now, getting up at five in the morning because ice time is sparse. It's early, yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that's that's, a, that's a, uh, another commitment. Um, but we have all been a part of sports and it asked for stuff outside of the realm of, of outward operation. I love this HDA um, collaboration, mostly because it'll show young folks uh, all over the continent, uh, something that maybe they wouldn't consider regularly. 
No, I, I get it. You know, the more and more that you are um, able to expand and show, you know, what more is out there too. And I think that's also huge, you know, and it's just about expanding. I think just the knowledge of the game as well to others. That's the one thing I know for me, I, I, I had an ice rink near me <laughs> to your point. It was like, yeah, that early morning ice rink time. I could never, I said, I couldn't play hockey. I had a buddy of mine who played hockey. Uh, and he said, you know, I, I play in a card. Yeah. I had to get up early and do all that. But, you know, just the, uh, to me, the understanding of, you know, of what, you know, hockey can be and how you can go out and get and be of an influence and get more people to be around it, get more guys of, of my color to be a part of it and understand it. You know, that, that was something that, you know, I took for granted early on, but because it's not, it's not the norm. It's not what we see on a traditional every single day. So to have that, you know, being something that now being an initiative to get that point across is huge to be able to get more people to understand and actually have more of a following. Last season, Kirk was the first season the NHL and the Players Association had mandated inclusion and diversity training. It's about time. First time. time. <laughs> about um, time. Players uh, Association staff members uh, received the same inclusion and diversity training as the players. And that's something that I think is critical. Like everybody's got to be on board, right? It's got to be team I, executives. Right. Uh, even the folks leading the union need to be kind of the beacon of, hey, we're all in this together. Yeah, you know what? It kind of reminds me of a conversation me and you had, I'll probably say a couple months back, uh, when we were talking about Enos Cantor freedom. Remember that story? Mm. Where we were talking about a guy who is not from the U.S., but plays a sport that allows him, I mean, that is being played professionally in the U.S., and he is now a U.S. citizen and had to kind of endure some of the, 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 the racism and inequality that go along with many people who aren't born in America, especially uh, from a different country. I think also with hockey, a lot of hockey players as well are not from America. Right. You know, this is a sport that's out in, in different parts of Global, the world. Right. And I think it's more to the point that you're making that you need these diversity and inclusion conversations, initiatives, because you're not only educating the players who are American born, you got to educate the dudes who ain't from here and let you know that, hey, in America, let me tell you about our past and what people have still have to deal with. So just so you're understanding of the story when you see it, where a lot of people, hey, that don't concern me. No, I'm not from here. You know, hey, I don't, I don't know what that is, but to have these conversations, say, hey, look, this country, this is what's part of the country. It's it's still learning. It's still growing. It still has some of those underlying issues still rise that we want you to be aware of. And if you feel the need that you can help out and be a voice and can help and make change, that's even better. But I think to your point about for them that first year doing it, I would also say what took so long, <laughs> you know, what took so long, seriously, to educate, not just your players, but the players who come from overseas, who come internationally to play here in the U S as well, get them educated on how this country was built, what this country is going through the voting process, all of that, let them know they turn on the TV just like we do. And do they understand it? Probably not. 
So educate them. Uh, for over 35 years, an organization entitled White Men as Full Diversity Partners has counseled uh, countless organizations and executives around the world on issues surrounding race and leadership, uh, team effectiveness and inclusion. Uh, all NHL league employees participate in an inclusion learning experience with that organization. Uh, the idea was to work from the executive level first and then get throughout the league. But uh, this education is focused on anti-racism, mm -hmm. uh, unconscious bias, mm -hmm. which is something we all have to unpack, right? right. Like we're not, mm -hmm. I mean, the, the, the phrase itself notes, it's not something we're thinking about. It's something that's just kind of a part of our wiring and where we're from. Um, right. Dimensions of identity, uh, microaggressions and, and yeah. cultural competency. Some of these are terms that folks are learning for the very first time. So I applaud the fact that there's a, a full dive in, in, in those spaces, Kurt. Yeah, I, you mentioned it. This, the, the terms that are now being used or have been used for a long time, but many people just weren't aware, uh, especially in these organizations. Some, and, you know, in the hockey in general, like I mentioned, when you have such an international game, the way it's played, and now you're talking about the, the way that it's played in the U.S., that's just indoors. But when you get outdoors, it's a whole nother world. And so to have the understanding of what's going on outside those doors, those confines of arenas and practice facilities, better educating everyone to understand that, you know, outside of hockey, there is things that you have to endure it. And I want you to have a better understanding of it so that we don't make the wrong decisions or say the wrong things or also hurt and affect the wrong people. The National Hockey League is a long standing partnership uh, at the Thurgood Marshall College Fund to empower the next generation of racial justice leaders through a relationship with the Center for Justice Research at Texas Southern University. So they just doubled down uh, on the financial uh, support of the center. Uh, but what I love also is at the club level, what, what, what's happening for everybody, um, not on an everyday basis, but on an every person basis. And that's, right. that's what I think enacts thinking I don't know how much change it impacts, but at least just lets people know that, you know what, there's a tide that has come in. It's washing over all of us. Uh, join in. And uh, the, the clubs were having these things called courageous conversations. And it was race. It was equality. It was diversity and inclusion. And they provide a forum where club personnel can delve into these subject matters, such as privilege and embracing difference. And, and what I'm coming to learn now more than ever here in the middle of my life is there are just different ways that folks really want to operate. I don't know if, you know, the big group scenario is better than one-on-one -on -one or I just, I'm just encouraged that there's opportunity, right? Yeah. Like if you hold that stuff to yourself, you know, in these, these conversations, are you at least taking advantage to go to someone in HR um, who can find you if they're not well-versed themselves, but find you someone that can get you the proper doctrine and philosophies that are pushing in front of us. Yeah. You know, you have to have that um, because they're always questions. <laughs> you know, we were talking about a little bit off air. You know, I got a little guy who's running around the house right now. <laughs> He's always got questions, man. He wants to know this is his thirst, his quest for knowledge. You know what I mean? I want to know this. Uh, and I'm like, how about save all the questions? And that's what I always tell them, save them all. Because you can't keep asking me all these questions like rapid fire. But then I realized is that, hey, there's something that he sees 
Right. And I, I need help. Like, tell me about this. I want to know more about this. And I'm like, you know what? That's probably kind of how a lot of people, especially in different, you know, groups and, and walks of life, you know, the sport of the, even the hockey world that we're talking about, guys see something and said, you know what? I, I need an answer to this and I, I need it right now. I can't, I can't, I can't allow this to wait. <laughs> I can't wait till tomorrow. I can't wait for a week from now. I need an answer to this right now. And that's always great to have that resource for them. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk to the co-founder and program director for In the Streets. His name is Falante Mission. The proud son of the district, District of Columbia, and has parlayed um, tragedy in his life uh, into a wonderful athletic career at ODU, Old Dominion University, but now taking it in a whole nother direction of trying to understand how his trauma is not singular to him, and that many need help with that and so much more in the community. We'll talk to him about that and so much more as Forward Progress continues. You're listening to Forward Progress on Sirius XM Radio. We continue on here on Forward Progress, and every now and then, uh, a headline actually says a great deal. Sometimes it just splashes, but when we were extended, uh, the Washington Post, I'm going to call it Expose, on Falante Misher. Uh, the headline did say it all. A football player couldn't find a therapist who understood black urban trauma, so he decided to become one. Now, that's uh, how you do it. Falante's uh, yes, <laughs> with us here on the program. And, man, first talk to us about this aspect of, of life as an athlete. Of uh, when you find When you find that the accolades and the success can't suppress the reality of our, of, of the reality of our reality, right? Our, yeah. our pain, our story, uh, the challenge of trying to emerge out of, uh, out of strife and feeling like there's this one lane that we drive in. Yeah. Um, I definitely, I talk about that a lot, um, you know, coming up, you know, especially I, I'm from DC and it's, you know, limited options. You got either rapper lane or you got your sports player lane. Um, and, and one thing that I, I've, I've understood that like, there's no one that resembles any other job, you know, of, of power in my community other than uh, a sports player or a rapper, you know, as I go through school and stuff like that, most of the teachers, you know, they're, uh, you know, a white male or white uh, uh, female, uh, woman. Um, as the teacher, as the administrative, you know, my doctors, you know, so I, you really have nothing, you know, that you can resemble yourself as other than a sports player or a rapper. And, you know, um, you know, your goal is to be able to one day bring your whole family out of, you know, strife that we where you use, you know, kind of, uh, you know, t- uh, humbling beginnings. And that's just the way, you know, that's the only way you really think that it can get done. Um, uh, but as you go through and you finish, like, you know, once your career is over, you got to come back to something, you know. And um, um, if you can't see outside of anything other than sports, it, it's, you, you, you know, you really uh, aren't laying a great path for other lanes to be uh, uh, accessed. You know, Falante, one of the things is that being as an athlete, you know, sometimes you go out and everyone knows you as the athlete. 
And you always say, hey, man, there's more to me than just being an athlete. There's more to me. I have a lot more structure. I'm I'm more, you know, well-rounded than just going out there and running and chasing quarterbacks or catching passes, anything like that. So when you did hear that, what what pushed you to say, you know what, I'm bigger than this and I want to show you I'm more than just a football player or just an athlete? Honestly, honestly, um, so, you know, through my uh, football career, it took me overseas. I played in Italy. Um, I played in Poland. I've been in Europe uh, uh, for a good amount of time. But before that experience, experience, I honestly thought of myself as that, you know, as a person that, you know, uh, um, I, I show my actions by my body. You know, that one my one job stint that I had, I was doing like manual labor before I went to um, continue playing football. Um, and then when I got overseas, I was able to see like folks actually, you know, uh, being themselves and, and, and molding their own life to, to, you know, what makes them happy, you know. Um, and then once I was I came back to the States and stuff like that, I was able to kind of see myself outside of that sports player, you know, persona that that, that I had taken on. Um, um, and then, you know, edu- through my education, educating myself and just understanding, like, you know, a lot of these things were in place before I was here. And, you know, I'm kind of just cycling out, cycling what has already been in place. So, uh, um, you know, I've been consciously trying to, you know, make sure I do outreach outside of uh, sports, doing things outside of sports. Like I took up uh, skateboarding, you know, I took up yoga. Uh, uh, I took up reading just to make sure I can, uh, you know, f- find myself as a well-rounded individual. Delonte Misher here on Forward Progress, Jason Jackson, Kirk Morrison. Well before you were a star at D.C.'s Coleridge High School and then went on to dominate uh, at, at Old Dominion University, you, you deal with the trauma that so many other folks have dealt with in the past, and that's the loss of a parent. But yours was so dramatic and 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 probably long-lasting in the sense that your father uh, was lost in the midst of gun violence and drive-by shooting. And you're, but you were five, right, at that time? Yeah, I was five. Yep. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the grief counseling in that space is challenging, right, I imagine. Um, was it even available to you at the time? No, no, I never had any, you know, type of counseling, any therapy. You know, it was... Uh, lifelong understanding that he's never coming back at one point you know a lot of times through my through growing up I just like assumed that he'll come back at some point you know and then as I get older I'm 27 now you just understand that you have a better understanding that they're just, you know you got to accept that they're never coming back and um you know I've and, and you know being from DC I lost a lot of close people so I was I was able to you know, understand that reality over and over you know so I I definitely have come to terms with it and I'm currently seeking to uh, have get some counseling and therapy around, you know, those traumatic uh, events. You know, I mentioned a moment ago that it, it can be, it, it just, it can fall different. We're not, we're not trying to compare pain and, and, and strife from one space to another. How different is it though, when you are in the urban center and you don't have those resources versus maybe folks that you went to high school or college with, that had a yeah. different socioeconomic standpoint. Yeah, uh, one thing I can definitely say is just that like, you don't have someone that's there that, that has been there. Like, so like, you're already coming from humble beginnings and then you're starting from scratch. So like, you're just learning everything as it comes. Your emotions are unregulated. You aren't 
they don't really have the guidance to like let you know like don't make that mistake you know uh i definitely have friends that have you know fathers that come from you know better economic situations um, um and they just parents just like kind of you know stop them from doing something that could really set them back and like uh, um, that's kind of the biggest thing, the guidance, like you, you, there's no guidance, you know, we're all, all of us, you know, you know most, most of our dads, the, uh, the folks I grew up with, I mean, we don't have that. So all of us are just figuring it out together, you know, as young kids growing up. You know, Falante, tell me about the, uh, the, the organization in the streets. It's one thing to be out in public. It's one thing to be, you know, out in the neighborhood. But when you say in the streets, man, tell me uh, about in the streets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, in the streets was uh, developed. Uh, you know, me and uh, my co, uh, one of the co-founders, Sangeeta. Uh, uh, we were just talking about a lot of things that were uh, happening in my neighborhood. She lives in D.C., which is being very gentr- uh, being gentrified at the moment, and she kind of lives in like a, a more reserved, more quiet area in D.C. And I live like on 14th Street, which is like live all day. You know. And so over like over the weeks that we just talked about all the gun violence, all the uh, 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 abuse, um, uh, domestic abuse, all the trauma that just, you know, ravaged the, that, that community. And um, she's got a psychologist. She was able to, you know, kind of break it down into better terms. Um, but the name industries come from is like, you know, my job is to be able to influence those uh, folks that come from you know, very marginalized communities that don't trust healthcare, that don't trust uh, uh, therapeutic work. And I go into the streets and I come uh, uh, to them and bring them uh, an idea. And one thing I always ask them is to sometimes, you know, I know we ha- we are internalized and we're all trying to protect ourselves, but I'm tr- I want you to trust me. So please disregard your apprehension, trust me. So they have done that and come to yoga classes at our office. Um, let me take a step back. So our, uh, in the streets, we offer mentoring, uh, physical health, which is yoga, and we do some other uh, uh, physical health exercises. And then we do uh, unconventional therapy. So it's like art therapy, uh, group therapy, you know, until I become licensed and be able to kind of clinically help folks because I'm in school right now. Um, we're doing it unconventionally at the moment. Um, but you can't really just like send an email to folks and just tell them to come to yoga. You know, you got to actually go out there. You got to make relationships with folks. So we do, we do basketball tournament, park cleanups, um, community days. You know, uh, within one community, it's probably a couple sub-communities. And we have a community day here, have a community day there. You know, just have outreach as much as possible. Kind of, you know, trying to change the narrative, trying to, uh, 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 you know, uh, raise awareness of this uh, issue that's, that's happening and, and try to get them uh, to, to uh, join our program. Palante Mission here on Forward Progress, Kirk Morrison, Jason Jackson. Take us deeper into the hurdle you have to get over with some young folks. Uh, listen, yep. until you got to your mid-20s, right? <laughs> you weren't thinking about therapy or becoming a therapist. And so yep. I imagine you relate with the hesitancy and then – what is the winning formula that that pulls people across the line? Whatever form that therapy comes in, which is isn't always just sitting down or laying down and, and yeah. spilling yeah. all the beans. Yeah, not uh, that's far. That hasn't worked. You know, it's 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 really it's really a journey. You know, um, 
the one thing that comes up the most is just like, you know, coming from the city, everyone wants to be so hard and they can't be vulnerable, which is the biggest obstacle. You know, you, you don't want to be vulnerable, you know, and especially when I, I get them, you know, into yoga classes, like you are some and sometimes in vulnerable positions, you know what I'm saying? So um, um, that, that has came up, but what I've done, what I've done is brought kind of a, a therapeutic lens to the conversation I have with those guys. Um, I'm out as working with in the streets. I don't have like a conventional nine to five job. So I have the flexibility to meet the guys right on the corner at like one you know, and they're in a different mind space than they are at five 30, you know, on the block. It's different at one When you meet them at one they're a little bit more open, a little bit more receptive to what I'm saying. When 5:30, so many distractions, so many things going on. You know, they their their height, their um, you know, their protectiveness is heightened around 5:30. So I'm able to uh, meet them at, at, at that time. Um, a good a good a good method is uh, food. So I I take the guys out for brunch. We do brunch. We do uh, you know sometimes we do dinner or we do breakfast. You know, and I'm able to kind of talk to them uh, uh, during those times. Um, but I would say that, you know, being vulnerable is like the biggest obstacle for sure. No one wants to be vulnerable in that space. You know, is there a bigger discussion that you have as well with just kind of what's going on in the country in general, where the racism, inequality, um, obviously we talk a lot about what happened, you know, to George Floyd uh, a yeah. couple of years ago. And some of the, um, to, to me, some of the things that are just every day. Um, you know, things for black men in society to have to go through. How do those discussions go? Um, I talk a lot about internalized and uh, systematic oppression. I talk, I talk a lot. Actually, I'm going to do a talk on uh, 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 February 1st with every man about uh, internalized oppression. Um, but I, I really want people to understand, you know, when you, you are internalized, you are accepting ideas that have been, you know, created by someone else about you. So when you accept those ideas, you accept yourself as a murderer, as a robber, or as a, you know, all, all these things, these ideas that was put here way before you were even born. You know what I'm saying? Um, and, and hopefully if, uh, you know, folks can 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 understand that and come conscious of some of those ideas, they make different uh, decisions. Um, and then there actually had a, a deep discussion about racial identity, racial identity development, just developing, you know, positive racial identity as being a black person. You know, uh, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, if you get a group of black people, you think something's going to happen like that is that is internalized into you, into our, into our, you know, our psyche to assume that that's going to happen. You know, and it, sometimes we follow suit with the assumption that we have developed. But if we become conscious of some of those things and then we also develop our racial identity more positively, I think those are those are some of the conversations I have with the guys. Just developing, you know, a more positive uh, identity of themselves and then also uh, being conscious of, you know, what ideas that they that, that people are trying to force on you. Monte, one of the key components of In the Streets, your, your nonprofit, is empowering and employing folks in the community to impact this, this physical and mental health elevation. You're at the top of the list, right? I mean, here you are trying to uh, get yourself in the right spot with certification and education. What's been most challenging in this process and becoming a full-fledged therapist and, and what's in front of you still? Um, well, I, I'm coming from uh, DCPS, you know, 
it's a, it's a big learning curve once you get to college and start, you know, uh, 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 just the readings and, the, you know, the work starts to get a little bit more. So um, um, I can say that a lot of the reading and writing, it has been a challenge, but I've, I've done my due diligence to uh, uh, get better at it. Um, um, also, just people accepting help. Like a lot of a lot of folks, you know, don't feel like they deserve help. And, you know, it's hard to see folks, you know, when I'm like, I could just offer you this small thing and it could make it better. But they would say no. And then rather to, uh, you know, just because they don't feel as though that they are, are you know, uh, you know, good enough to take the help. Um, I can say those are two of the most challenging things that I I, I, I see. Um, but we have this um, we have this summer youth employment uh, uh, project coming up this summer, and we're going to hire fifteen folks to work for us for the summer. DC uh, DC is going to help uh, fund that, and that's kind of going to be our first trial of like kind of seeing what that looks like really. And, and I'm super excited about it because we're going to involve uh, uh, mental health uh, uh, work physical health work, educational work, and then also some experience just uh, in different in different jobs, just, you know, just experience. And so um, we'll, we'll really, I'll really have a better answer to, of that after the summertime. You know, my last question for you, Falante, is this, yeah. um, you know, eventually you, you, you start to expand, you do more, but what is the one thing that right now that when you speak to a kid or when you look at a kid, What's the one thing that you want them to just to take on their everyday mission? Being happy, being happy. Like what, what I always speak is like, don't, don't participate into anything that doesn't make you happy. And that is, even if it's like helping someone out, like if it doesn't make you feel good to help that person out, you know, you, you, you uh, you know, you'll always be making a good decision. So like when you are, you are, uh, you know, presented with something and it doesn't make you happy inside, I don't want to be a part of it. But if it makes you happy, you know, cause a lot of, a lot of, a lot of things, I just can't, you, you can't be there to make decisions for them. But you know, if they can feel and make the best decision for themselves, you know, that's all we can really ask for. So um, um, don't participate in anything that does not make you happy in the inside and on the outside. Falante, thank you for the time. We really appreciate it. Uh, no we're, we're so energized by your work. Please come back anytime and let us know how things are progressing. For sure. We'll uh, get in contact on Twitter so I can have a... Brother, listen, you got Pernell Brown. Ain't nothing better than that. Perfect. I appreciate you. <laughs> I appreciate you allowing me on your platform to kind of get my word out. I, I, yeah, I really appreciate it. Brother, this is the cross-section of everything you're about. And yeah, let, let everybody know the Twitter handle. Let them know so they know. Yeah, give it to them. Yeah, 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 where where, where yeah. can we find Falante Bisharet? Yeah, uh, I, my Twitter is FLM. So it's like my acronym, Falante Launch Mesher underscore 24. And then uh, I'm more active on Instagram, which is uh, lockedin.fail24, lockedin.fail24 uh, on Instagram. So, you know, if you want to get in contact with me, those are good, good uh, methods. Absolutely fantastic. We appreciate you, the organization. In the streets, we'll keep an eye on everything that you're up to. We'll take a quick break when we come back. Uh, Kirk, you won't have to help me out with one of your brethren, okay, yeah. <laughs> of the retired players aspect, running for Senate, calling pro sports unpatriotic for their stances. We'll dive inside some of that stuff when we come back here on Forward Progress. You're listening to Sirius XM Radio. Radio. 
we now return to Forward Progress. Here's Jason Jackson and Kirk Morrison. As promised, Kirk, I'm going to the story that is so interesting <laughs> and so on the yeah. nose. And I'm, I'm going to try not to be snarky, but it's just, okay. it's what pulls out me in these places. Let's talk about uh, Jake Biquette. Yeah, He's a U.S. Uh, Army veteran, played in the National Football League. He's running for Senate, uh, a puzzle part of the, the grand old party, Republicans in Arkansas. And he recently had a, some time with Fox Business. Yeah, um, and, and he talked about how corporate America and professional sports leagues run the risk of alienating their customers and fan base uh, when wading in to social justice issues. I don't know. We can get into specifics in a second, but I want to stop yeah. there. Is that tone deaf or is that just red meat feeding to the base? What, what do you oh. think that is? <laughs> that, that, that's easily feeding to the base. Easily. Yeah. And we're talking about someone who is also not of African-American descent. We're not talking about a person who is not black, by the way, making these uh, statements, making these, uh, having these thoughts, um, because I, <laughs> if you are like me and you who have endured these last couple years of all these, uh, of people now knowing what's going on in our country with racial injustice and inequality and what people have to go through sports leagues finally have said you know what enough is enough we've i've felt that maybe growing up that leagues possibly said that this isn't our space let's leave politics to politics and now sports leagues have felt like wait 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 our players are, are still everyday people they don't they're not exempt from being american citizens just because they play a professional sport we have to dive in to a lot of these issues outside of our walls, of outside of our leagues, because it makes up the players, the people, the members of what our organization really is all about. So to, to, to kind of make that statement that leagues should not, you know, jump into the space of social justice, that's, to me, that's unaware. That's, that's anti-liberty, <laughs> man. Yeah. Like, that's the thing that blows my mind about this particular stance. It's, right. It's You're perfectly fine with people coming to your rally. Right. Perfectly fine with people reading misinformation that pops up via bots on Facebook that lean to the right. But then you have the audacity to say, and I'm quoting the right. cat here as a former college and pro athlete. It's been very disgusting, quite frankly, to see these professional sports leagues wade into social justice causes at every turn. And in many cases, you know, taking anti-police, anti-military, really anti-American stance. Point to one of them, point, point to one anti-police, yeah. <laughs> anti-military, anti-American stance. I work for an organization that honors the military 41 nights a year. That's every home game. Yep. I work for an organization that's working right now through programming with City of Miami Police now reaching out to the county sheriff and other yeah. municipalities <laughs> working together with police. And that's honestly that little tweak, right? That little four letter prefix right, gets everybody all fired up, right? 
on that ultra right side of like, this mm-hmm. isn't what we, this ain't our America. This isn't what we signed. I'm sorry. That's the best Arkansas I can do. No offense, Arkansas. <laughs> no offense. I see it. <clears throat> but, but it's just, why are people offended when they hear that type of just, it's almost backhandedness that a guy like Jake Paquette throws down. Like, these people will believe anything. Yeah. So I'm going to say anything, even things that cannot be documented and have no connection to truth. Now you can like throw a fiber, right? Right. And people say they want to redirect funds, right? And we have people Correct. that will pound down on defund, but defund doesn't mean there's no police department. It means that right. there's better usage of the tax dollars that come in for the appropriate encounter with each engagement that law enforcement has to involve themselves in. So many things they have to involve themselves in have nothing to do with protecting and serving. So why aren't we creating a part of the unit that can speak to the mental and physical uh, health of individuals as, as, as police get to the work of policing as well? Yeah. I mean, I think let's not um, confuse reform with anti. Okay. <laughs> reform is a lot different than anti anti saying you're all the way against reform is saying we want to restructure what we're doing we want to have some stipulations put in there we want to have some also accountability put into there which is something that we haven't seen a lot of and for a lot of these leagues to jump in and say that yeah i, I i'm glad that leagues are jumping in bed and understanding that the politics on the outside does affect the players and the members of our leagues on the inside. So I just completely think that this has been tone deaf uh, by someone who's playing to a fan base, playing to a base of people who in certain parts of the country who, who believe that who don't want, you know, I, you know, we're coming off of the divisional round in the NFL, Jacks, one of the greatest weekends I've seen of football Mm -hmm. in NFL history we had last week. And two, three years ago, the narrative was, the NFL is done because of their ties with social justice and no one wants to look at uh, people didn't see that the NFL end zone still had end racism. It lets we are in this together that that's still painted on the back of the end zones. And oh, by the way, record numbers in terms of who watched the divisional rounds of football. You can still get your message across and people will still follow so for Mr. Baguette to think that he uh, uh, that people are going to turn away, that they shouldn't, I tell you this, the NFL had a great day last Sunday, last Saturday, because people still, they love their sports, they love that, but they can also see that, hey, we also have some things that we want to work on as a country. As much as you watch sport, you still have to watch some of the things that we're doing in our country, and it may not have turned everybody, but if one person read that, in the back of the end zone uh, of a of a touchdown on Saturday or Sunday, and it said end racism, and someone says, "You know what? I'm gonna look into that a little more." That's the that's that's what it's there for. <laughs> Here's the thing that's that's so interesting about the twisting of these messages that. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess, you know, I don't know if he has a primary ride and go too deep. I just saw the fact that this cat was just spouting off. But but 
but I, I'm gonna give you one another one of these lines that yeah, just please, blow please. my mind, man. Please, <laughs> like leadership is not about stirring people; it's about lifting people. Right. It's about show, sometimes the challenge of pulling the the mob into the right direction because they're all just reacting. Corporate America, this is quote, in many cases, they are taking unpatriotic stances. Okay. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Me neither. <laughs> unpatriotic. Too often you're seeing Fortune 500 companies, big tech companies, owners of these sports teams, and all they care about is market share and gaining ground in overseas markets. And in many cases, the number one target is China. It, it sounds like, like the Republican stance for the entirety of my life. <laughs> <laughs> talking about um he goes on to say does Bicat to accomplish that that goal they will take political stances that align with the Chinese Communist Party over the United States number one uh you're pointing to China as the United States number one global trading partner many of our biggest companies are deeply intertwined with China and the Chinese government so is the United States government correct <laughs> <laughs> Who do you think owns the majority of this government's debt? Yeah. <laughs> come on, man. <laughs> China. Like, come on. Like, I get it. There is right. there's a competition um, for world dominance, for um, the production of materials. The United States has spent the majority of this industrial era and into this tech era um, at the top of that list. But competition is everything we're about, right? I mean, isn't that the one of the chief components of capitalism? Yeah. I mean, so it, it's it like some of this stuff is convenient when it's at the core structure of the party, when it's in control. And then when the party is fighting back for control, it feels like we'll go to the stuff that are exact tenets of everything that we actually believe in, shed those off and try to make them something <laughs> that uh, we, we should unite against. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I think it's poor taste, poor wording, and just unaware and not understanding. And, you know, it is to a fan base. It is to a, a group of people. And I, I don't know where he'll fall out in terms of, um, you know, his political um, uh, election. But i tell you this. He won't have my vote. <laughs> he, he's not getting my vote. <laughs> well, thank you. Well, I didn't think you were moving Arkansas yeah. to get into the, the role either. Uh, that's going to do it for us. Let's uh, say thanks to Volante Misher, co-founder and program director of In the Streets. A young man is something. we got to keep an eye on him. Yeah, absolutely. See how everything is rolling with his efforts in D.C. For our producer, Pernell Brown, my partner, Kirk Morrison. I am Jason Jackson. Thanks for joining us here on Forward Progress. We'll talk to you next time.